0: Oprah Winfrey is not the devil. However, Oprah Winfrey often invited him to sit on her couch and speak to her audience. Oprah Winfrey was believed during her time on television to have had the largest influence in spiritual matters for about a 30-year period, 20 to 30-year period, in American history, more than any other preacher in our country. They claim that if she ever endorsed a book, the book sales multiplied by a hundred times immediately. But there was a man that she would often invite who she considered to be her spiritual guru by the name of Eckhart Tolle and he would often take statements from Christ from the Gospels and mix them with some new-age thinking and some and blend them with some very old ancient mystical religions. And he would often talk about the importance of finding God in your inner self and trying to listen to the deepest thoughts and feelings that you have to define yourself. Listen to a statement by him in one of his books. Realize deeply that the present moment is all you ever have. Make the now the primary focus of your life. Jesus speaks of the innermost, I am the essence of every life form, in fact. He speaks of the life that you are. Christ is your God essence of the self, as it is sometimes called in the East. So you and this inner, this inner spirituality that you are inside, this, this is where you find God and truth. This is God and this is truth. Oprah loves his thinking and, and wrote this. She said, she was raised Baptist, by the way, she said, I thought Jesus being here was about his death and dying on the cross, when it was really about him coming to show us how to do it, how to be. God is a feeling experience, not a believing experience. Now, what does it have to do with the text in front of us? Well, what they are espousing is really a warmed-over version of the very false teaching that John is writing about to his hearers and readers in the text in front of us. It's an ancient uh, way of thinking and religion and philosophy known as Gnosticism, spelled with a silent G at the beginning, Gnosticism. And Gnosticism basically taught that anything that has to do with what is spiritual and part of the spirit world is always good and pure and wonderful. Anything that has to do with matter and the material world like your body and wood and stone and everything, that is irrelevant, possibly even evil. And so trying to get in touch inside of yourself with the spirit part is really where you always find where God is and where you find real truth. And we can hear this today still showing up in a lot of of thinking that's in our culture today. It kind of came out in what is known as existentialism. Follow your heart your heart would never be wrong. Your heart is where truth is. Truth is found inside of you. Get in touch with your truth. Whatever you feel is right. Whatever you feel is right and good, and let that guide you. Many people today see a connection between this ancient uh, philosophy and religion, Gnosticism, and the movement of transgenderism. How you feel inside is really the essence of truth. What your body is like is irrelevant. Now, in ancient times, at the time of the early church, there were people who had converted to Christianity but were now beginning to blend this false religion with the truth of God's saving word. And it became known as kind of a Christian version of Gnosticism. And it came out in this way. Jesus didn't have a real physical body. Because if he's God, God can be nothing but pure goodness and pure holiness. And so if he really is God, the body that that he has must be only a phantom body. It must be just an apparent body, but not actually a real human body. And so he didn't really have then flesh and blood. And that's why St. John is writing the way he does to these people. He says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, he says. It's actually an anti-Christian, which means it's of the devil, teaching. So John is warning us about prophets. Now, a prophet is anyone in a sense, who stands and proclaims the word of God and and what is supposed to be known about God and truths about God. Um, pastors, teachers, and so on who stand before others in that in that position or in that office. And yet he's warning here that there can and will be false prophets, uh, phony, fake prophets, just imitations of of a real prophet. And why is the caution that he's giving us so necessary? Well, John tells us many false prophets have gone out into the world. This isn't just a little issue here and there that pops up once in a while. Many of them, they flood the market. There are false prophets around us all the time, is what he's saying. And a false prophet will always wrap himself or herself in the outward trappings of the Christian church. The devil could care less about unbelievers he already has them he needs to infiltrate the church he needs to get inside of where people are holding on to Christ alone for their hope of heaven because that's the only way through faith in Christ that's the only way someone can ultimately brought into the gates of heaven and so in order to try to capture those souls he needs to do his work inside of the church and just like, a, just like a child predator that may go out and offer candy to children at a playground in order to talk them into his van, he has to offer them something that looks good and beneficial to trick them, so it is with these false prophets. They need to come and work inside of the church and they, see they, they need to appear to be bringing a doctrine, a teaching that is better than the one you have, that is going to be more beneficial That's maybe even going to appear to do great things for the church itself or for you individually. And so they often will hold out a new teaching or twist a teaching in such a way so that it appears to be for your benefit and for your good. Listen to what Luther said. The ministers of Satan invade the minds of men by promising that they will bring something better. Let me give you a great example of that. Happened to me as a pastor years ago. Some of you have heard me maybe tell this story. There was a a young lady in my church who was about 16 years old, and she started dating a young man about that same age, high school student. And he had grown up in the Lutheran faith, um, a a different denomination than the one that owns Bethany here. And um, in in his church, he came to his pastor and asked him about the teachings of evolution. And he said, it seems like evolution makes sense with what we see in the scientific world, but it conflicts with what's in the Bible. And his pastor said to him, no, 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 there's no conflict. You can believe in evolution. Go ahead and believe in that and still be a Christian. Well, about a year later, after his pastor told him that, he started reasoning properly that if, if the Bible itself can't tell us where we came from, and Jesus refers back to that, why should we ever trust him? Why should we ever believe him about anything? If science is to be our new mode of operation to know the truth, then anything that conflicts with what science would say has to be an error. And he ultimately threw out the entire Christian faith, ultimately became an atheist, just in one year's time, because his pastor gave him permission from God to buy into evolution. Through his girlfriend, I'm happy to say, and through reinstruction in the word of God, he began to put it all back together. Today is a, a very uh, faithful Lutheran. Now God commands you and me to make judgments regarding the, the doctrine that, are taught to, that is taught to us. He commands us to do that. He doesn't, just doesn't say it's a good thing to do or it's a good option. You must, you must make judgments. You must have discernment about the teaching that comes to you. He says, test the spirits, whether they are of God. This is a necessary thing to be done inside of the church. It's why this college actually exists. It's why people started this college originally. They wanted to make sure that their children were taught on a daily basis the word of God so they could discern and know when there was error and when there was truth. God wants us to consider carefully the the very nature of the Spirit dwelling in the one who is speaking to us. And that's true no matter what church body you're in, no matter who is standing in this pulpit, no matter how much you know the person and feel you can trust them. Test the spirits, even the pastors you love the most. Test the spirits to make sure they are of God. Why? Because your eternal future is, hangs in the balance with this you and i by god's grace through his word have been given a precious treasure the treasure of his word that teaches us the reality and truth about our real condition that we are horrific sinners that have no hope of going to heaven based on us because of the all of the guilt we would have before god But that same word teaches us the precious truth that God through the work of his own Son who took on real human flesh came to be a real human Savior not a phantom Savior because you and I have real sins he needed to be a real Savior with real blood and real bones and real flesh he had to die a real death because that was the punishment God required to release you and me from the guilt of our sins And so what a wonderful blessing we have in this precious truth of the gospel that through the work of Christ, God has forgiven us all of our sins. He has declared us holy and righteous in his sight. And by faith in Christ, we possess that very holiness that will allow us someday to go into the mansions of heaven. So this is why your loving God commands you to distinguish truth from error. Now in order to do that, We need to know the truth really, really well. We need to study it. We need to embrace it and and learn it and keep it in our hearts on a daily basis. Someone that worked in banking years ago told me that when she was hired as a cashier, uh, they used to have her, the the first week that she worked there, they would have her sit in a room at a table full of uh, hundreds of dollars, single dollar bills. And she would just be asked to count them over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again. And the purpose of it was to get the feel of real money. So that if there was ever a counterfeit that came through, you could spot it just like that. That's kind of a picture of how God wants us to be regarding our spiritual lives and the doctrines that he gives us in his sacred word. He wants us to embrace them and know them so well that when a counterfeit doctrine comes along, we can spot it like that. We can recognize that this does not seem to fit in with the teaching of the apostles. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Notice how John, one of the apostles, writes about the apostolic nature of the writing of the New Testament. He says, He who knows God hears us. This is the distinguishing characteristic of being a true Christian and those who are of the devil, is that you listen to and you follow the word of God. And part of that is discerning what is truth and what is not, so that we continue to possess and hold on to this wonderful saving truth that alone will take us through the mansions of heaven. God is really saying to us, I love you. I want you to be with me someday forever. Pay attention. Amen.